to the She Leads podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, CEO and founder of She Leads Media, a global media company dedicated to the advancement of women leaders and entrepreneurs worldwide. I'm also an adjunct professor at NYU and Rice University, where I teach on the topic of entrepreneurship. I'm a mom to two wonderful young men and married to my best friend from college. Join me each week as I dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women entrepreneurs and leaders. My hope is that these conversations and their advice will encourage you to put yourself out there and gain the visibility that you and all women deserve. We're all about stripping away the sugar-coated conversations and moving boldly in the direction of our magnificent dreams. For far too long, women have been conditioned to soften their words, modify their actions, and show up in the world to conform to outdated at best and harmful at worst cultural norms and ideals. Why? To keep those who are outside of the power structures from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence. This has prevented women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. The She Leads Podcast is here to shine the light on all the incredible women, to encourage us to show up, speak up, and showcase the amazing work we do, speak with confidence about the innovative and transformational thoughts that we have, and celebrate the positive impact that we are making in this world, both personally and professionally. So let's do this. Let's lead. everybody, and welcome to the She Leads podcast. I'm so excited to share my next guest with you. She is an incredible woman. She is a connector. She's a friend, and I cannot wait for you to hear from her. Her name is Kim Carpenter, and she's a high-performance leadership and executive coach, a corporate trainer and speaker, and she partners with leaders and their teams to achieve breakthrough results. Kim's company is called People at the Center, a talent development consultancy dedicated to the cultivation of people-centric leadership. Using research-backed tools and proven practices, they help organizations shape leaders who don't just inspire their teams to go the extra mile, but also bring everyone together to tackle big challenges head on. In the past 20 years, Kim has trained over 3,000 professionals and coached top executive leaders at companies such as Apple, Netflix, Microsoft, and PBS. Welcome to the She Leads podcast, Kim. Thank you so much, Adrian. It is amazing to be here with you and everyone listening. Well, I am so excited. I mean, we have spoken so much over the past couple of years. You introduced me to one of my favorite people in the world, Leanne Rogers, and it has just been such a joy to get to know you, to get to know her through Leanne. I've met some other wonderful women. So Kim, you're a connector. This is true, Leanne. I love connecting. And I remember that I got connected to you through our mutual friend, Deb. And so it's just a frenzy of beautiful connections with women now all across the world. I love it. So Kim, let's talk about your company and sort of the work that you do. How did you get into working with companies and working with teams? 
Well, I started my first career was in corporate and I lived in New York City and I worked first in advertising agencies and then transitioned into IT professional services firms. And I quickly rose up through the ranks, climbed the corporate ladder very fast. So by my early 30s, I had a team of almost 30 people reporting to me. And I really didn't have very much of a clue about how to be a great leader or how to be a great manager. I just modeled what my managers did. There wasn't any formal training. And so I had some great practices and some not so great practices. And at one point, I went through a big life transition. I went through a divorce. So as many of us have experienced, those times cause us to reflect. And I hired my first executive coach at that time and fell in love with coaching. Hmm. I also had the experience of feeling frustrated inside of some of the corporate environments, feeling like it wasn't very people-centric, that a lot of the management practices were just, you know, push people hard, push people as hard Mm -hmm. as you can. And honestly, Adrian, if I tell the truth, I wasn't a great manager in some ways. I did demand a lot. I was kind of a force, you know, (laughs) and I expected a lot from my teams. We did have fun together. Often we were friends and would hang out after work. But in those days, we were pulling a lot of all-nighters sometimes Mm -hmm. or very late hours, sometimes working on the weekends, things that, you know, yeah, make you cringe today. And so I learned firsthand that A, I didn't really want to be that kind of a leader. B, those work environments weren't really working for me. And that's what caused me to leave corporate and start my own business. I really wanted to be able to touch many more lives than I could Mm -hmm. as a person just working in one company. I loved the coaching process and I grew and developed through that and I wanted to share that with others. So that's how it really got started. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I was coaching more around life and coaching women than women entrepreneurs. And then coming full circle in the last decade, really coming back to working in corporate and providing a new kind of insight into how we can create more people-centric work environments and how we can help leaders be better leaders for themselves and for their teams. So good. Such good stuff. And it's so interesting. I think so many people can relate to, you know, I I hear it from so many people that get interviewed on this podcast. You know, we were in corporate, including myself, we were in corporate, we got to a point where we either wanted to impact more people or that we got super burned out, right? Or there was something that was happening that we didn't like. And we thought, you know, if we could get here because we are driven, intelligent, wonderful people, then, you know, let's just start a business of our own, right? So I know that that comes with freedom, which is great, but sometimes freedom is not as free as we would would like it to be. So have you experienced any challenges in sort of moving from the corporate world into the world of entrepreneurship? Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> who, who, who answers that question and says, no, Adrian, no. there are no challenges. Um, of course, there's a lot of challenges. And I think right out of the gate, it was so humbling to be a quote unquote yeah. expert in 
advertising, marketing, business development. You know, I was the head of client services. So I was launching new brands all of the time. And then to go, wait a minute, you know, record scratch. (laughs) I've got to do this for myself. Mm. And and those strategies are not going to work for me. I don't have a multi-million dollar ad budget and marketing budget. How the heck am I going to do this? So yeah. right off the bat, honestly, I tried to go it alone for about a year. And then I started learning about all these incredible business coaches and gurus and experts that I could learn from. But I think that was hard. It was also hard just coming around to talking about myself and feeling authentic in that expression. Mm. I also, for a long time, had terrible stage fright. And I worked with some other coaches. And I, in the very beginning, I would say, okay, let's go up on stage together. And I'll feel more secure. (laughs) If we're we're both presenting, you know, you present this, then you and then you can kind of save me or rescue me if I forget. what (laughs) I mean, I was really, really nervous. And it's funny when I tell people that now, like my hand would shake so terribly that I always asked for the wireless microphone, because I didn't want people to see my hand shaking with the microphone. So a lot of strategies to try to, you know, I say, competence builds confidence. Mm. So we just have to keep doing the thing that scares us until Mm. we get better at it. And this whole journey of entrepreneurship is a whole lot of pushing the comfort zone, pushing the boundary to Mm. try to, you know, see who am I going to be tomorrow? You know, the Mm. next speaking engagement, I'm going to show up and I'm going to improve in these ways. I think it's a constant evolutionary process. So from the beginning, you were thinking about how you could get out there and how you could get some speaking gigs. Not everybody does that, especially when they're starting a coaching business. So what was that thought process for you? Like, hey, you know, of course, you don't have all the budgets behind you and everything. What made you think of speaking versus, let's say, buying Google ads? Oh, yeah, that's such a good one. I just saw people that I admired and what they were doing. Mm. And I'm also, I know as you are too, Adrian, quite ambitious. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that playing small or just having you know, barely a lifestyle coaching business wasn't where I wanted to go. So I really Mm. felt into the vision of what's the Mm. impact I want to make if I'm saying that I'm a stand for changing the face of work Mm. (laughs) and having people love going to work and having workplaces be places that infused inspiration in people and gave them a sense of livelihood, I'm going to have to do something more than play small, put out Google ads or Facebook ads or, you know, just make some social media posts. I'm going to have to step out, be courageous and have my voice be heard. Okay. That is like poster child for She Leads Media. It is what we encourage so many women to do. And it's yes, it is so scary and it pushes us out of our comfort zone. But the keeping at it, you know, we're, you're how many years in? 10 years in, 12 years in. Are your hands still shaking when you're holding the microphone? No, mm. not at all. Ugh. Not at all. In fact, I'm 
energized. I'm excited. Now, there might be a little bit of shakiness, but it's, I can't wait. (laughs) I can't Uh. wait. Now, I do a lot of practice. I practice my talks. My sweet husband, he listens to me all the time (laughs) and gives me feedback. He's an educator. So he's really great at, you know, crafting a story, engaging an audience, like he's got to get teenagers to listen to him, right? So (laughs) so he's a great feedback person for me. Also, my other colleagues, people like you that, you know, I'm like, hey, we're going to the same conference. I'm speaking. Can you give me some feedback after and tell me what could I improve? What am I doing or not doing? But now I'm excited about it. And Mm -hmm. I've I've got the confidence because I built the competence, the competency Mm -hmm. in doing this. And I know that's what you're really committed to. And it is so important. We need to have our voices be heard. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, I, I feel like I've been having this conversation lately, basically since the She Leads conference, which happened at the end of November in 2023. But this idea of, even if you are feeling the fear, it's important that you do it anyway. And and you do not have to be perfect. You can shake and you can say um every other word and you can forget while you're up there. But the more that you do it, even if no one listens to a word that you say, someone in the audience is going to be inspired by the fact that you had the boldness to get up there and at least try. And Mm -hmm. that is so, that is what we women need. We need role models that are also willing to get up and not be perfect. Because that's, that's why we get so afraid. We think we have to Fit a mold, fit a certain mold, look a certain way, have certain cadence and tone to our voice. No, what we need to be is ourselves, and that is so inspiring. So the fact that you did that so early on is amazing, and and I hope that anybody listening can say to themselves, listen, I might not know exactly what I'm doing, but I also am inspired by Kim's story and I'm going to get out there and try to speak. So how this, I'm taking this a little into maybe some practical areas and I want to go back to what your area of expertise is, what you do, how you help people, but I'm going to just take it off a little bit because I'm so passionate about this. How do you find the places to speak at? And you have been very successful. You just shared with me before we got on that you have a full calendar of speaking for this year. How did you get those opportunities? Yeah, it starts, it started a little slow and it started with my network. So I think having people like you, Adrian, who are building networks, because we can tap into the She Leads Network, other networks that I'm a part of. I just started asking people who is, you know, who are leading conferences that I could be a part of or yeah. who's interviewing somebody for a podcast could I be inter- some a lot of people are doing LinkedIn live interviews or Facebook mm. live interviews like could I just be interviewed and that felt like a really 
low risk way to get into this because mm-hmm. you can have your computer, you can have your computer camera, you can have notes on your computer right in front of you that you can refer to. So it's kind of like low bar to entry, right? Yep. <laughs> Easy way to. So start somewhere. And then I got into these networks and I started saying, who else are speakers? So one important thing is to know as many other speakers who are doing what you want to do and Mm. start reaching out to them and saying, how can we align and amplify what each other's doing? Can I be a thought partner with you and vice versa? Could we share about gigs? Because here's this thing. A lot of conferences have a lot of consecutive sessions going on and it's easier to get booked as a speaker in those, but they usually only have one or two or three main keynote speakers. And if you speak at that conference once, you're not going to get invited back to speak the next year because they're going to want a new keynote. So if you're trying to get keynotes, it's great to network with other keynote speakers because it's not very competitive. Mm. And it's very easy, I feel, to pass on opportunities. I've had people pass my name on. So first, Mm. use your community. Then there are other platforms like Innovation Women is a paid platform that they list dozens every week of speaking opportunities that are available, some paid, most non-paid. But I would say just start speaking. If you have a way for people to get onto your email list, a free offering, most places will let you offer that. And so for me, it's more valuable for me financially, to speak for free and be able to get people onto my list so I can nurture them than Mm. it is for me to get paid to speak and I can't talk about what I do. Yes. So, right, something to consider there. So there are lists. Also, I have some incredible interns that I've hired from this platform called Acadium, Acadium Mm Acadium.com. And I pay... For two interns, I think it ends up, they work for me 10 hours a week. (laughs) And I've created some SOP standard operating procedures for them to follow. So it's easy. Every three months, I get some new interns and they go through the SOP and they're doing research online on speaking gigs. I also have Google alerts set up for call for speakers, women speakers, speaker application. So all these Mm. keywords that come right into the inbox of the interns (laughs) so they can be searching and applying. And I'm not doing all of that tedious, time-consuming legwork. And honestly, I think I end up paying like $3 an hour or something for these folks. Like it's incredibly cost effective. I also have some team members who are located in the Philippines Mm. that do some of this research for me and they're getting valuable work experience. They're learning about PR. They're on our team meetings every week where we're talking about everything we're doing for marketing and PR for the company. So it is a valuable win-win. Those are some of the ideas about how to get the gigs Mm. that come to mind when you ask that. That is perfect, right? I mean, that's like A, B, C. And everything that you have just outlined, I think if people could follow that, they too would be successful in securing speaking gigs. I love that you mentioned Innovation Women. 
who was started by Bobby Carlton, who is a friend of She Leads for a very long time since we started our conference in uh, 2016. So I love Bobby and just to shout out the fe- what she's doing because I, I love it. Her mission is to eradicate the all male pale stale panels. And so <laughs> that is why she puts forward all of those different opportunities. And yeah, it's something that if you dedicate yourself or like you're saying, hire people that can look through all of that, there are hundreds and hundreds of opportunities. So such great advice. And it's another like alignment here is I actually am speaking to somebody from Acadium tomorrow. To to hire some interns and understand that it's such a great service. And last, I just interviewed someone here on the She Leads podcast who is an expert Amazon seller and she has a consulting business where she helps people uh, if they, you know, get delisted. That's not the right word, but delisted from Amazon or a product gets delisted. And she has a team of people from the Philippines and she said that they are so well educated and the, the amount of money that we give them is not that much for us, but it makes such a huge difference for them. So I like all of these different points of alignment. There's something Mm -hmm. in the air where we should be listening to all of this great advice and employing it. You know, here you are, you have this company, you started out on your own, you have built a team, you have a team. Where are you going with your company, people at the center in the future? Mm, Thank you for asking that because I'm so excited about it. Yeah, the vision is, is, really big. And, you know, I have support. I have women, mostly women around me who are telling me to go for it, right? And so the vision with people at the center is I want to make a real no BS impact on the state of work. Mm. And I believe strongly that companies are the ones who are changing the world and running the world. Agreed. It's no longer governments or nonprofits or NGOs, right? It is companies and companies yeah. are made of people. Mm-hmm. So people at the center is mm-hmm. all about how can we put human beings at the center of the strategy and invest in the development and the nurturing of our people and have them show up as motivated, highly productive, you know, engaged employees and leaders. What I see is that people don't want to quiet quit. They don't want to be slackers. All of this conversation that's going on now about, oh, the new generation and they don't want to work hard. No, that's not true. They are showing us that, like I admitted back when I was in corporate, these crazy work hours and giving every single bit of yourself to the office and never going home and not spending time with your children, you know, that's one of the biggest regrets that older people have when they're at their end of life. Nobody yeah. says, I wish I spent more time at the office. No. <laughs> they say, I wish I had more time with my family and the people that I love. Now, my goal is that you actually are also working with people that you love working with. You don't have to be best friends with everyone, but how can we shift cultures to mm. be 
inspiring, enlivening, and places where people thrive versus Mm. hate going to work on Mondays and feel that their soul is being sucked by the organization. So that's our goal. Mm. And I don't know, I don't think we're going to probably get there in my lifetime, but it is a purpose worth dedicating my life to. Mm. And so we have big things coming up. I've got a book series in the Mm. works. You know, as I said, I'm speaking everywhere. The goal is to build the team. I have a group of coaches and human resource consultants and business partners on my team now. Also, we're collaborating on different initiatives. So I'm in growth mode. And it's super exciting. And um, Adrian, I'm just so excited to be telling you about it. Particularly, I feel like you're, you're on the support team and I'm on yours. And um, that's so moving too. I'm so happy to hear this. Like I almost have tears in my eyes because this is a big vision and it's such an important vision and I can just feel your passion for it and it makes me so happy and you're the right person to be doing this. I could not agree with you more that corporate is our, it's almost like our guiding. And I don't think that we gave corporate permission to to have that role. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. No. <laughs> and it got out of control a bit. And I think that the exchange of what it used to mean to work within a corporation went haywire. And so that's why there is all of this burnout and like, oh, corporate sucks and and all of it. And I have a very, it's similar but different type of thought about it because I, I think I, I love that you are doing work to make corporate more human right? Mm-hmm. Make it about the people because it is made up of the people. Where did where did that go wrong? Where do we lose that? <laughs> where did we lose that? But we did lose that. And, you know, even creating, my, my focus is on creating a new type of corporate structure that is people-centric, yes. right? Because it's going to take both. We need to create new companies that put people at the center and that are human focused. And we also need to do a lot of work to change the existing structures so that people, when they do get a job and they're working for 10, 15, 20 years, that they don't want to, you know, run out the door screaming and then have to go, you know, to <laughs> Siberia <Rehab>. to recover. <laughs> it's so true. It is true. So what are, and I I love this vision and and all of it, what are some of the the tools that you're using to help to change the corporate to be more human? What are you doing now? And then, you know, maybe even what are some of those things that you're going to really lean into with this larger vision for the future? Mm, Thank you for asking that. There's a lot of tools. And I would say... At the heart of it all is communication. Mm. So the heartbeat of all the work we do is connected communication. Mm. And so 
a lot of our work is very conversational. Mm. We're not just putting out like I think a lot of coaching and training companies are <laughs> like micro learning modules, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. we do have that to supplement what we do, but we find that transformation occurs in conversations. Mm. And we use a lot of foundational principles of neuroscience mm. and how people's brains work. The work of Judith Glazer, conversational intelligence has been a big inspiration for me. Mm. And so under, having people understand, look, we've got a brain that mm. works in a certain way. When we get stressed out or scared, you know, certain things happen that cause us to be disconnected mm -hmm. in our communication. We stop listening. Our, our brains can't actually function the way they can when we're, when we're feeling peaceful. Yeah. And some studies show that we're even 10 to 12 IQ points lower no way. when we have this what's called amygdala hijack. So in the stress response, fight, flight, freeze, or appease, yes, we're actually less smart. So if you have a work culture that's constantly hijacking people's amygdalas and making them afraid, not feel psychologically safe, feel like they need to protect themselves against the people, the culture, other people, their managers, you're going to create a workforce that's not as smart. Mm. And do any of us want that? No. Mm. So we start with this foundation of connected communication, understanding the neuroscience of communication, and starting to rebuild how we talk to each other, how we work with each other. Mm. I think in companies, a lot of the focus is on what are you going to do? So what are your OKRs? How are you going to KPIs? How are you going to accomplish your goals? What are the goals? Have you met the <laughs> have you met the milestone for the goal? But we mm -hmm. don't talk as much as we need to around how are we going to do that work together? How mm -hmm. are we agreeing to be with each other when we have problems, challenges, when we need to give hard feedback, when we need to argue through and debate through something and get to the other side of it? How mm -hmm. are we going to do that? Mostly we suppress things, push feelings down, you know, uh, freeze people out, stop inviting them to meetings, right? All of that bad behavior that causes disconnection. So, so our foundational tools are looking for where there's disconnection. How can mm. we recreate connection? How can we rebuild trust? How can we create cultures of psychological safety? That's in a team. And if you look for yourself as an individual leader, where do I feel disconnected? Disconnected from myself, from what I value, from what's important to me, from the work that I'm doing, disconnected from others, my team, who I report to, disconnected from the culture, disconnected from the work. So yeah. we look at there and then we start to repair the connections with various research-backed tools and methodologies. And that really is the foundation. So I know that's not giving like one specific tool. It's brilliant. But it, it's, it's a body of work yeah. that, that really works together. It's brilliant. And I, 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 I'm listening to you and, of course, you know, putting myself back in those situations and scenarios where, you know, maybe I was the one that was uninvited to a meeting or where I uninvited someone else to a, a meeting. And these things do happen. You know, in, when I was in a, at a particular company, we used to talk about how it felt like high school. 
right? And like yeah. the, the cool kids are the ones that get to go to the meetings. And if you're not in with the right crowd, then you're out. And that is not a scenario that we should be recreating in a corporate environment. One of the things that I think about so much is so much of the culture of a company is set from the top, right? When when certain people behave in a certain way, it often trickles down through the organization. And oftentimes, I don't know, I'm making this up, uh, I would imagine that the very people that are kind of causing these uh, toxic environments, to use that word, don't even realize that that they're actually doing it. So how how does an organization, you know, bring you in, like identify that they have an issue at all and then say, we need help? What are some of those triggering events or results that companies are getting that make them say, you know, hey, we've got a problem. We don't know what it is and we need help. Yeah, I think that um, thankfully a lot of the HR processes, especially coming out of a pandemic Mm. when they could see and feel in a real tangible financial sense, the deterioration (laughs) of Mm. the workforce and the product, there more and more companies are really implementing engagement feedback surveys 360 reviews mm. you know that is just a standard now and so through those surveys and eliciting that feedback and listening to people they'll start to see oh there's this anonymous you know comment or a hundred people are saying the same thing in the organization mm. maybe it's time for us to do something about it I do get called in to support people who just aren't communicating in a way that works. And I talk a lot about creating workability, right? There's no good and bad, right and wrong. It's just, is the way we're working workable? Like, are Mm -hmm. we actually able to accomplish what we say we want to do with however we're being with each other or the processes that we're using? And so... Usually it is somebody coming to speak to a manager or to HR and saying the way that this person's talking to me doesn't feel respectful, it doesn't feel workable, and then how can we change that? So oftentimes they'll try with some interventions first, HR-facilitated conversation. Sometimes that helps, sometimes that doesn't. So often I'm brought in after there have been several touch points and ways of trying to change something that they'll say, okay, we can't, we're at a loss here internally. And sometimes internally, you're just too close to the problem, or you're, you're not an impartial person, right? So (laughs) HR is not impartial, right? Or if I'm the manager of someone, I'm not impartial. But I know, as long as the person wants support, they want to learn and grow, that coaching could really help. Mm. And I require an interview both me and the coachee have to feel like it's the right fit because the person has to trust me and trust that I'm working in their best interest Mm. to support them. But sometimes the support that I give is you're the problem, you know, and what, how are you responsible for what's happening now? And what are you willing to do? Mm. Now, a lot of people just have that self-awareness, Adrian, and they know because they've probably gotten negative feedback or negative reviews or they've been spoken to. Um, I work with a lot of women executives, actually, and it's it's a 
tricky situation because a lot of them are being criticized for things that if they were a man, they would not be criticized for, right? Having pointy elbows or not having executive presence or being, you know, too much or turning people off where if a man did the same thing, they would just be seen as decisive and strong. Mm. And so it's an interesting thing to learn how to, how do we set women up and and frankly anyone who is not typically in that leadership seat right <laughs> people yeah. who are right. underserved <laughs> underserved inside of that corporate realm how do we set them up for success and so a lot of people will come to me because they know that they need to shift something but they don't know how to do it they're mm-hmm. too close to it or they they've received some criticism and they're saying I don't I don't know how to fix this and the people at work aren't helping me do it. So I'm going to request a coach to my HR department or I'm just going to hire you outright because maybe the result of the coaching is I end up leaving that company, you know, and I'm not going to ask them. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh, so such good stuff. And you opened up, you know, a whole other aspect of corporate and humanizing it and having people who aren't typically, or at least to date, who have not held those positions of leadership? And does that person have to change to fit the existing corporate environment? Or, you know, do they need to leave and either create something or find a different organization where they do fit? And I think all of us need to ask ourselves those questions. But that's why some of the existing corporate structures need to change. And, you know, maybe some of them won't. And then that's why it's so important, I think, especially for, you know, women and other people like we're talking about who may not have, you know, fit into the traditional corporate leadership model. It's important for for them to start businesses that do, you know, put other people in positions of, of leadership so that we can see that it can be done So I just think that in general, everything that you're doing is so important. The way that you do it, I mean, anybody that gets to work with you is lucky. You are brilliant. You are kind. You are fun. I mean, you're just an all-around incredible person. And I just appreciate you being on the She Leads podcast, formerly sugarcoated, to have this conversation. And I would just love to have you back when your book series comes out, when, you know, when when corporate does change, because it will be, it will be in your lifetime. I know it. And my lifetime. All right, sister. I'm buying that. Yes. I'm (laughs) saying yes to that. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Kim. So if people listening, you know, a lot of them are women entrepreneurs, but a lot of them have people that are working in corporate. How can people get in touch with you? How can they invite you to speak? Tell us how we can just connect with you in general. Well, as you said at the very beginning, I am a connector and I love to connect. And my team tells me I spend too much time connecting, (laughs) but I say, no, I don't care. Um, So I would love to connect with you. And I guess the best way is our website. That's peopleatthecenter.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and it's linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Kim Carpenter, all one word. So pretty easy to find. I'm really committed to publishing great free content often. So you can hop onto our email list or grab our newsletter and subscribe on LinkedIn. But finding out about us 
everything's on the site. There's a speaking page that has our favorite speaking topics, but I'm also happy to customize something for you or your group. We do a lot of bespoke uh, speaking. So I'd be happy to chat with you. Just reach out and definitely let me know that you heard me on the She Leads podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. And thank you for just sharing all your expertise and wisdom, both about your area of expertise and also just the the growth and the journey of your business. I know that the She Leads podcast audience is going to be so thrilled to listen to this episode. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's been a pleasure. This and all of our episodes are brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the podcast network for women by women. Thanks so much for listening to the She Leads Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support us, please share it with others, make a personalized post about what you took away on social media, and please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps our guests and our show to continue to gain visibility and traction. To learn more about how She Leads Media helps women to gain visibility, you can follow us on Instagram at She Leads Media, or you can head on over to SheLeadsMedia.com. If you'd like to network with me and other amazing women, don't forget to join us each year for the She Leads Live conference. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon. The She Leads Podcast Network.